Okay, so this is my first podcast ever. Um, my name is Yusuf Bazoon. This is our final essay, but our media project, Comp 106, Section 9, Student of Professor Darling. And I'm going to be podcasting my essay, which is How Misinformation Leads to Misdirection. So let's get started. We start off with envisioning the word propaganda often presents us with an image that delineates a political construct. So when I think of propaganda, I see a word that invokes political arguments based on the spread of false and misleading information. Now, in a sense, classifying all... You can't really classify all false and misleading information to propaganda, so to say. The intention of that line is... Like when it's to drive the reader's mind, you know, when when you think of propaganda, what do you see? What do you envision? You know, I usually envision a 1940s, 1950s, you know, World War Two post or something along those lines. But that's not what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about modern day propaganda. So anything biased, false or misleading and is simultaneously being used to promote or persuade any political ideas or views falls into the category of propaganda. Our present day media is much like propaganda. I think that was probably a, you know, a well-observed um, phenomenon, you know. Our present-day media is it's a little bit hard to trust, you know. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's not something you really have to go into. You know, it's hard to just trust the media. It's something that you have to, you know, use your gut. Like, you got to believe them, you know. But with the opportunity to twist and amend situations to influence viewers, media sources contain the power to misinform the general public and misdirect its political decisions. Again, we fall back into the discussion of politics. A misinformed and misdirected general public is a danger to the foundation of our government. Boom. That's it. Danger to the foundation of our government. When you successfully misdirect a public, you are affecting its political decisions. You know, when you go to the bells to vote, you vote in a certain situation, your view is affected by what you view, what you see on the news, what you see in real life, what you see happening. So this this affects society as a whole as political decisions. You know, what we vote for is affected by propaganda. And this damages our foundation, like our government. Our government is supposed to be, you know, democratic for the rights or for the freedom of everybody. And when you have, you know, let's say like opposing countries, tyrannical countries, uh, communistic countries, taking advantage of that free press, that freedom that we have, and using it to, like, sort of, in a sense, you know, not really manipulate, but engage a different type of thinking, you are invoking a danger. So citizens begin to vote for things they falsely understand. These decisions then affect our lives, jobs, our children, and the route of our local, state, and federal government systems. So we begin with the digital age, with the digital age still young and nearly every person being able to access the web via a device, the spread of propaganda has changed in various ways. Rather than use posters or television advertisements to promote and persuade political views, we have progressed into digital visuals, you know. So keeping up with modern day time, our, our version of propaganda is on our screens, on those phones, things you carry in your pocket all the time. So as said by Albino, uh, Albinko Hasek and why propaganda is more dangerous in the digital age, today, 
propaganda posters have been replaced by digital visuals such as the meme that are easily produced, mass disseminated, and politically pointed with the potential to do even greater damage to American politics and society than propaganda posters did a century ago. So, memes have a joking nature, right? Most of the times they're jokes. But, there's an underlying truth, an underlying intent with these jokes, you know? Though memes may come across as harmless because of their joking nature, they have the power to persuade whoever views them. You know, of course, the question to ask is, what could be so dangerous about memes? Let's take um, the World War II James Montgomery flag. Uh, James, Mo- James Montgomery flag poster. We view a image of, you know, Uncle Sam, United States Uncle Sam, with the eagle on his shoulder, the bald eagle, asking us to defend our country and enlist in the army now. See, memes are that present-day form of James Montgomery Flagg's poster. They're used to persuade, not in a sense force, but persuade, you know, um, viewers to think and see a certain way usually one that coincides with the views of the creator of the meme. So, Hasek also says, while memes originally had a comedic purpose, they invaded the political realm in a far more sinister manner during the 2016 presidential campaign. So, we often saw, you know, um, memes of Donald Trump, memes of Hillary Clinton, you know, Donald Trump, um, vulgar language, sexist, racist, whatever it defines, you know, everything we saw memes about Hillary Clinton, her emails, um, Pizzagate, for example, a lot of those uh, hidden situations, you know, a lot of those memes were popping up and they were talking about politics and people were seeing these and it was changing the way they saw, way they saw the presidential candidates. So, um, like the propaganda posters from the World Wars, politically pointed memes employed a striking visual coupled with effective communication intended to alter the mind frame or subconscious of a viewer. Subconscious. Not the viewer, not the viewer wouldn't even notice that they're being affected, subconsciously affected. And that's the power. That's the power behind these memes and behind these jokes and behind these indirect propaganda posters. So introduced in this is a process um, known as normalization. You know, normalization is the process of conforming or reducing something to a norm or standard. Something that before was before it was normal, it wasn't normal. It was reduced to normality. Um, so reintroducing the same thing multiple times, it ingrains into the minds of viewers. And this is one of the biggest dangers of misinformation. It changes the way viewers think about a subject. Being re-exposed to the same thing over and over and over again, no matter what, will affect you eventually. It will affect you eventually. When you're re, uh, re-exposed to the same thing over and over again, normalization. It will affect your overall thinking. Even if it is the most ridiculous thing, it is thus normalized and becomes part of our mindset when we vote and make decisions. So, with so many sources being available to citizens, it can be easily observed why there are so many issues among the American general public. You know, Many are, not, are unable to see from the same perspective because the availability or abundance of sources allows citizens to directly choose what they trust creating a situation where political views clash head-to-head and the credibility of sources is the only thing that backs a citizen's views. Credibility. That's it right there. Biggest word, credibility. How do you determine credibility? You know, how can we determine what is credible? 
we have we know um like for example CNN is a left leaning, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is a left leaning um, um news program, and you know Fox is a right leaning news program. They're known for these things. They're known. They got caught, you know, showing their bias. So how do we determine when something is um credible like how do we just how do we not know in the in the moment that source that we're believing in is not biased yet we just have or how do we know that it's not that it is biased we just haven't figured it out you know it's an interesting concept but see as said by um uh by Carolyn O'Connor and James Owen Weatherall in the misinformation age how false beliefs spread Virtually all of these cases feature disagreements about basic matters of fact that contribute to the disagreements about policy. These disagreements themselves arise because people tend to trust different information sources. Some rely on MSNBC, the New York Times, or the Washington Post, whereas others look to Fox News, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Times. Some point to studies produced by the Heritage Foundation, the Cato Institute, or the Heartland Institute, whereas others look to Southern Poverty Law Center, the Brookings Institution, or the Center for American Progress. This is probably not even 3% of the new sources available to everybody. And that was probably about 15 that I just named. So, tensions tend to rise when two information sources clash. And when entrusting a source, we assume that there is no propaganda within the information they present, blindly following what the source says, regardless of the illegitimacy or unethicality that may be presented. It's sort of a, not a monkey see, monkey do situation, but when you entrust a source, when you entrust something to always give you the correct feedback, the correct answer, you know, something that does not lie to you, you go arguing against it is sort of, um, how do I put this into words? Let me restart, okay. So illegitimacy or unethicality that may be presented. When you're blindly following a source, you're entrusting a source, you are blind, though you are entrusting that source for information, you are blind to the unethicality that may be presented because it's your source, it's your chosen source. You will look right over it. But see, these views that we have, they then carry on into the ballot, where we vote for a cause that may have the potential to affect our lives our children's lives, our jobs, and the pathway of the country. But moving on, um, propaganda is one of the most powerful tools that the media carries. That is a known fact. We have established that it is evident in many news sources and media sources. However, we continue to rely on these sources to provide us with information and keep us aware of what is happening around us. It's ironic that we we see and we know and we have established that you know these sources are lying about not all of them not not generalizing all sources but many sources have been caught lying about information they present i don't have specifics but many sources have however we still continue to rely on them so how the solution here is do we do our own research or do we, not even the solutions, the offered solutions are, do we do our own research or do we tear down these new sources that are, you know, mixing and amending and violating information to fit their agenda? So, James Stanley says in How Propaganda Works, 
The genuine problem with insincerity condition is that it fall, fails to respect the connection between propaganda and ideology. Flawed ideologies characteristically lead one to sincerely hold the belief that is false and that because of its falsity disrupts the rational evaluation of policy proposal. So, your propaganda and ideologies, these, they, they work in a proportional manner. Okay. Propaganda drives and creates flawed ideologies, which are then driven into the perspective of peoples. You know, when your ideology develops based on, let's say, uh, a propaganda that you were given, whether it be, you know, Trump is bad or Hillary's bad, you know, Obama is bad, whoever it is, that that propaganda that Obama's bad, eventually you're going to be like, okay, Obama's bad. Now this creates a flawed ideology, and then that drives your perspective. It goes into the perspective of all people, which they then, whether the, whether the information is false or true, they carry this belief with the mindset that that is not false and push it into our government system. You vote for something that, for example, could have been false, and then now you're affecting our government system because that false information led you to make a false decision. Let's take one of the most um, evident wars in American history, the Vietnam War. See, the United States government for many years was not really told the American public that they were winning the Vietnam War and dominating that front. However, that had genuinely that had been a barrage of lies. As said by Gordon Adams in um, From Vietnam to Afghanistan, All U.S. Governments Lie, is a stark contrast to 1971 when the Pentagon Papers, a classified study of decision-making about Vietnam, were leaked and published. The explosive Pentagon Papers show that the U.S. government has systematically lied about the reality that the U.S. was losing the Vietnam War. So, we had been losing that war for years. But through propaganda, the media, and false information, the general public was misinformed, even tricked into believing that we were winning it. The danger of this was the consequences that this misinformation caused. Hundreds of thousands of United States citizens, you know, were protesting this war when they found out that it was, that we were losing it. Like, hey, bring our soldiers back. We should not be fighting in this war. We have no business, you know. And in the entirety of this battle, um, the United States had 50, almost 50,000 casualties. 50,000 soldiers had been killed. It, um, probably even bigger number wounded. So that's just the power of propaganda showing that, hey, you know, we lied to you. You guys were falling for it. Had this not, you know, had the prop, had the Pentagon Papers not been leaked, we would have fell for it. So we're going to continue the more into a different topic. So the United States kind of, not kind of, the United States grants all citizens God-given basic rights. But alongside these rights, we carry our constitutional amendments, you know. Our first constitutional amendment, the first constitutional amendment we have states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press. Now, you see this initially, you're like, okay, so we have freedom of press. We get to, you know, post whenever you want or talk about whatever we want. We can insult the president. You can do whatever you want when you want. But, see, although our democratic liberties are the strongest thing we carry, 
They are also, ironically enough, our biggest weakness. Boom. Biggest weakness. Say that with confidence. One of our biggest weakness is our rights. So as said by Jennifer Miller in Democracy and Misinformation, communists could use the principles of open debate to infiltrate democratic regimes, spread lies and propaganda, and lead the people to choose their own enslavement. So, again, it was a recurring problem that misinformation was spread among the general public. And when you have opposition, like I mentioned in my, uh, when I first started, when you have opposition noticing that, um, um, that propaganda has such an influence over our general public, they harness it, you know. They begin, they begin to use it as a weapon to have people like enslave themselves with their votes and decisions. However, you know, like present-day issues do not really circulate around communism nearly as much as they did in the 40s and 50s, you know. But instead, they circulate around the, the danger and ways of having the public believe that whatever is occurring is within its best interest. I'll say that again. Instead, they circulate around danger in ways of having the public believe that whatever is occurring is within its best interest. Within the public's best interest. So, what, what lingers is the fear factor. You know? Jennifer Miller says that we also live with constant anxiety about the ability of nefarious forces, whether foreign or domestic, to infiltrate the popular mind. So, for years now, many of us have slept with the da- with the fear that danger is imminent. We went through North Korea, we went through Iraq and Iran, all these um, these dangers that pop up around the around the world, all these tensions that we have with other countries, or tensions that countries have with each other. We we were going to sleep feared with fear. We were you know dangerous imminent. You know, we had talk of World War Three at the beginning of this year. You know. Um, you know, that, what if China decides to attack us, you know? Attentions are high with China. What if North Korea, you know, loses its cool? You know? So this fear factor drives the decisions we make regarding government control or government interference. So, government interference is a big deal. Like, take for example the COVID-19 virus. We fear the COVID-19 virus. Therefore, we gave the government the power to make decisions on our behalf, ones that we hoped would keep us safe. Lockdowns, you know, executive orders, all these decisions that were there to keep us safe was through our doing. Um, take gun violence. Gun violence has been a major political argument among politicians and citizens because of the fear that violent people would attain weapons and harm those that are innocent. Therefore, we, as a public, effectively requested that the government establish stricter gun laws to prevent easy access to weapons. The fear of danger drives those decisions. The fear that a violent person could harness the, the power of a deadly weapon, or the fear that the COVID-19 virus could eliminate, or not eliminate, but kill off many, many, many United States citizens, drove the decisions we made regarding our government interference or how much power we give the government but when that danger is misinterpreted or misinformed those decisions we had made then turned out to be against us that is the danger of misinformation so a popular argument is it's for example it's not the person or it's not the gun it's the person okay 
Now what does that mean? When when you say it's not the gun, it's not the person, you're effectively saying the gun has nothing to do with it, it's the person that's using the weapon that's the cause of the problem. But you have to sort of understand that it's a 50-50 battle. You know, I'll, you know, even though this crazy person may have been able to get a gun elsewhere, it was a lot easier for him to walk into a gun store and buy it. I'm not saying anybody for specific, just in general. So accepting that that the fear of danger is what affected that decision, is why we made such a quick decision, assuming that removing all guns is going to stop crazy from getting guns, is what drove that decision. You know, we that's what drove our decision to say, hey, strike your gun laws. But there was also potential that could be false. So had it you know turned out to be false, or if it is false in the future, we were misinformed, and that was its danger. So. It's now we're going to talk a little bit about perspective. So the way information is presented and shown largely affects the way the public views it. Spot on. That is basis. The way you present is the way you will receive feedback. If you go to a restaurant, a very fancy restaurant, they prevent their food very sloppy, you're going to wonder what you paid for. To present their food very elegantly, clean, nice, to give you a steak knife, fork, you know, basil leaf with some olive oil, something very fancy. You're like, okay, this is what I paid for. You know? Perspective plays a large role. And whether the information provided by media sources is false or true. Now, false or true. It's, it's a little bit of a tricky line. Not not necessarily the full perspective. It's not certain saying that, hey, this is true, this is false by fact, but saying, you know, whether people see something as true or see something as false is affected by the way um, they see the information to begin with. Like, like perspective is very important. The danger of misinformation has shown to be detri- detrimental to the decisions we make. Propaganda has long been used to gain the support of people without them knowing the true consequences of what they were being shown. The Vietnam War is just one example of propaganda and misinformation in action. COVID-19, the elections, the invasion of Iraq, the tragic 9-11, are just some examples where misinformation caused outrage or outrage or led to danger. Now, let me specify a little bit. Let's see. The invasion of Iraq. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, the basis of the invasion of Iraq was we assumed that... Um, Iraq had powerful weapons or powerful um, weapons of mass destruction, just that they didn't. So we were misinformed, and that caused the war. Um, tragic nine eleven misinformation. Uh, we, well, I guess we're just. I'm just gonna remove the whole nine eleven example as a whole because that's that's where you get to conspiracy theories and things like that, and that's not a place for, you know, a proper essay. So. Credibility is a hard trait to come by as we expel further into the digital era. You know, the further we get into our technological devices, the further we get into our phones and our laptops and our online web sources, it's hard to see what is credible and what is incredible. It's hard to determine that. And misinformation is something that that each person should be aware of.